morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Thursday, June 29th. We're starting to open up this new window on the universe. That's how the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee astrophysicist described this week's results of 15 years of research into gravitational waves. This week, scientists revealed the results of years of black hole research, showing they could hear changes in the fabric of the universe made when black holes come together in a dance before finally collapsing into each other. The results, published in the Astrophysical Journal Letters, were seen by measuring flashes of radio waves from dead stars called pulsars. The bursts from pulsars were so regular that scientists could predict when they would arrive on Earth. The gravitational waves, as they warp space-time, change the distance between Earth and the pulsars. Scientists say this kind of research could help them understand the history of the universe. Pretty cool. Well, from the far reaches of space to right here in the Lowcountry, let's head over to the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center for your forecast. And good morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovai. We've issued first alert weather days for Sunday, Monday, and the 4th of July as the heat will continue to build over the upcoming days. By the time we get into the end of the weekend and toward the 4th, we're looking at mid to upper 90s for high temperatures and heat index that will be between 105 and 110 daily. So we need to be extra careful out there today. Heat index, thankfully, in the mid 90s. Still hot, though. Mostly sunny. 94 degrees of forecast. High temperature tonight. We drop down into the 70s. 75 degrees warm and muggy overnight. Tomorrow we'll see a high of about 92 degrees. Small chance of a shower thunderstorm and the temperatures go up 94 Saturday, Sunday up to 97 with a slight chance of a shower or thunderstorm through the 4th of July. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now let's get to your morning headlines. The South Carolina Highway Patrol confirms the pedestrian that was hit by a Folly Beach police officer in his cruiser this week has died. Troopers say the crash happened on Monday around 5 a.m. on the Crosstown near President Street in downtown Charleston. The victim has since died at the hospital. Their identity has not been released and that crash remains under investigation. No word on any potential charges in the crash. SLED has announced charges against one Dorchester County Sheriff's deputy. 50-year-old Jonathan Davis, who's been with the Sheriff's Office since 2015, is being charged with third-degree assault and battery. According to an arrest warrant, Davis was at a hearing to remove the victim from a church board in Blackville at the beginning of the month. SLED says surveillance video shows Davis running at and pushing the victim from behind. The Dorchester County Sheriff's Office says they've placed Davis on administrative leave. Court records show Davis has since posted a $2,000 personal recognizance bond. We are working to learn more about a suspect who fled the scene of an accident and then led police on a chase. Officers with North Charleston police say they spotted a car that they believe to be involved in a hit and run while they were patrolling near Highway 78 around 615 last night. They say when officers turn on their blue lights, the suspect kept driving. Officers set up spike strips, which damaged the vehicle before they finally ended that chase on Bacon's Bridge Road in Somerville. The suspect is now facing charges, including DUI, driving under suspension, and leaving the scene of an accident. 
The attorneys for Parkers are trying to get the attorneys for Mallory's Beach's family dismissed from the wrongful death trial. Now, the judge says we can expect a decision by the end of day tomorrow. 19-year-old Mallory Beach died in a 2019 boat wreck in Beaufort County. The boat was being driven drunk by Alex Murdoch's late son, Paul. Surveillance video shows Paul bought alcohol underage at a Parker's convenience store hours before that crash. The trial is set to begin August 14th, which is just six weeks away. And for the first time, we're seeing video from yesterday's hearing. The lead attorney for Beach's family, Mark Tinsley, is calling Parker's attempt to get removed from the case a campaign of terrorism. There's no real substance to what they have to say. They don't want to talk about the documents because they know, in fact, that there's nothing to what they're saying. This is all smoke and mirrors and, and to try to gain some advantage. And so I think the judge will see through it. Meanwhile, legal counsel from Parker's gave a statement that says in part, quote, our motion speaks for itself that Mr. Tinsley and Mr. Vo have been in possession of privileged documents from our side. I think the law supports that they should be disqualified, end quote. Again, a judge's decision on whether or not the Beach family attorney will be dismissed is set to come down by the end of day tomorrow with a wrongful death trial set to start August 14th. You want me to do turn my back on the low country when we can get funding for for public transit? Absolutely not. That's Congresswoman Nancy Mace's response when we asked her why she voted against a bill that's bringing funding for a new public transportation project in the Lowcountry. Mace joined other officials with the Regional Transportation Authority yesterday in celebration of the nearly $26 million federal grant for the Shipwatch Square Transit and Workforce Center project with CARTA. This money might not have been possible, however, without the passing of President Biden's infrastructure bill, which Mace voted against. She told Fox News when the bill initially passed that she didn't support it because it wasn't what she called true infrastructure. After two Supreme Court rulings upheld the rights of minority voters, experts say it might not set the precedent some voters are hoping for here in South Carolina. Later this year, the Supreme Court is set to hear arguments in a lawsuit about the constitutionality of South Carolina's first congressional district, which includes parts of Charleston. Our Molly McBride brings us the reasoning behind what experts are saying. Every 10 years, state legislatures redraw voting districts. Well, after the 2020 census, experts say our state redrew districts in a way that moved black voters from District 1 to a different district, sparking a debate about their constitutionality. Claire Wofford, an associate professor of political science at the College of Charleston, says challengers of the new districts say our state's legislature purposefully redrew a variety of black districts to disenfranchise black voters. She says the recent rulings that upheld rights of minority voters in Alabama and Louisiana are relevant but don't solve the problem because they involve different legal provisions. The Alabama and Louisiana cases involved the Voting Rights Act, unlike the South Carolina case, which involves the Equal Protection Clause, she says. According to Wofford, the main difference between the two is the Voting Rights Act does not care whether or not the state's legislature intended to discriminate or not. However, intention does matter under the Equal Protection Clause. What's significant about the South Carolina case is that it's going to give the court an opportunity to clarify how does what the legislature meant to do factor into the constitutionality of what they did. The South Carolina redistricting case will likely be argued this fall. In the newsroom, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. 
A new change to state law could help fill the over 100,000 job vacancies in our state while giving certain South Carolinians a second chance. The new law falls under the Youthful Offender Act. It allows for people convicted of certain nonviolent crimes when they were younger to clear their records. The new law adds driving under suspension and disturbing schools to that list. Now, the expungement is not automatic. To be eligible, a person has to be younger than 25 when convicted and cannot have reoffended within five years of finishing their sentence. The new law makes it so that the last part is not in play with driving under suspension and disturbing school convictions. Advocates say legislation like this helps with recidivism, recidivism reduction efforts and filling jobs. Some young people are simply going through it and they're going to make more mistakes on the way out, but that doesn't mean they don't deserve a second chance and an opportunity to put their past behind them. Governor Henry McMaster originally vetoed this bill, but the General Assembly voted to override his veto, making the bill law. Three low country hospitals have received state money to help build crisis stabilization departments. The departments function as an emergency room for mental and behavioral health treatment. The units will have a staff of psychiatrists and therapists ready to deal with patients in any kind of behavioral emergency. For example, everything from depression and anxiety to addiction and schizophrenia. There will be 13 facilities across the state building these crisis stabilization centers. Those include MUSC, Orangeburg Medical Center, and Beaufort Memorial Hospital. A nonprofit dedicated to improving the state's emergency medical services through advocacy, collaboration, and education has been awarded a grant to better continue those efforts, all while expanding to new areas. The $35,000 in funds will go toward updating and expanding training to allow the South Carolina EMS Association serve, to serve more EMT candidates, especially those in rural areas who have no access to training or educational programs in the field. The grant's goal is to increase opportunities for current and future EMS all across, across all populations and communities. Officials in the Charleston County School District are hoping higher salaries and bonuses will make it easier to retain and recruit teachers. But will that pay bump actually make a difference is the question. Nick Reagan is joining us live now with a closer look at those developments. So, Nick, teachers got just about everything they negotiated for this year. Yeah, uh, Katie Shelby, that's right. But it's, of course, the question is, is it going to be enough to stop sort of that mass exodus of teachers that we've seen over the last couple of years? I spoke with Jody Stallings. He's the head of the Charleston Teacher Alliance and a teacher. He says that uh, this pay increase, it does help. It's a good start. We're thrilled that the board is looking at this. The top two issues are salary and discipline. We're looking at salary. Next up is discipline. If we can get those two situations cleared up, you know, we might be looking at a pretty attractive profession here in the next few years. That compensation package was developed out of a teacher administration task force and approved by the school board. It includes a $5,000 raise for all teachers, an additional 10 steps. That's how many years a teacher can receive an annual raise and a $5,000 bonus. Now that brings the starting teacher salaries to almost $50,000, $53,000 if you add that bonus. Now Chief HR Officer Bill Brigman was a key part of that task force. He says that the cost of housing was was the key factor in determining how much they needed to increase teacher wages. Getting salaries to $58,000 a year is the goal, which he thinks they'll be able to achieve in the next few years. He says that every year they have between 500 and 600 teacher positions they have to fill and says that the new salaries are already making a difference.
our numbers actually of, of current uh, openings, and I don't have it right in front of me, um, is lower than it has historically been this time of year. What I seem to be seeing is that a lot of teachers are staying. Um, we generally lose about 15% or so of our teachers each year um, on average. And I, I'm expecting that the number to, is, to be something slightly different, which was the direction I was wanting to go with our experienced teachers. Now, the new school year is just 55 days away, and these salaries, they still need one more vote from the school board before they're fully approved. But if they are, it'll make CCSD teachers among some of the highest paid in the state and in our region. Katie? An event aimed at bringing local law enforcement and the community together is happening today. The nonprofit Serve and Connect puts on Greg's Groceries Packing Day annually to help law enforcement better serve communities facing food insecurities. Destiny Kennedy is live in North Charleston where that event will take place this morning. And Destiny, what can you tell us about it? Good morning. I'm currently at Walmart in North Charleston where Greg Groceries will provide law enforcement with boxes to create a positive relationship between those law enforcement and communities in need. The Walmart on 7400 Rivers Avenue in North Charleston is the presenting sponsor of this Greg's Grocery Packing event. This multiple agency event brings neighboring law enforcement agencies together to pack non-perishables to fight hunger in South Carolina. Charleston Police, the Charleston County Sheriff's Office, SLED, and South Carolina Department of Public Safety are just a few of the agencies taking part in today's event. Law enforcement will take those boxes with them. And when they come across people in need, the boxes can feed a family of four. Greg's Groceries is in honor of Serve and Connect founder and CEO Cassie Alia Ray's late husband, Greg Alia, a Forest Acres officer who was killed in the line of duty in 2017. Ray says it's important to provide communities with non-enforcement interactions to create trust. So often we are focused on looking back after a tragedy has already occurred, but through Greg's Groceries, we are really looking with a prevention lens to see, you know, how can we support people who are in need and hopefully prevent issues before they emerge. And often the difference can be just a box of food that can turn someone's life around. Greg's Groceries will start this morning at 10 and end at noon in North Charleston. Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Celebrating birthdays today, Pussycat Doll Nicole Scherzinger is 45, comedian Colin Jost is 41, and NBA forward Kawhi Leonard is 32. That'll do it for morning, y'all, on this Thursday. Thanks for joining us. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.